What's up, guys? It's Chatur. We're back with another episode of the Iron Skillet Podcast. I'm here with my main man, my co-host, Bull Whip. Big Whoop. Big Whoop. And we're sitting here with some amazing guests today, Gangster Grass. They are coming through, a, a renowned band coming through Winchester to do a show at the Bright Box. Um, and we're really excited to sit down with them and get their stories so you guys can kind of understand how they blended some genres together to create a really good opportunity and experience for people. So um, thank you guys for sitting down with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, before we get into like your backstory, maybe you guys can just go through and introduce yourselves individually and like what you do in the band and uh before we kind of d- dive in deeper sorry yeah uh my name is Arson, the voice of reason i'm one of the mcs representing philly holding it down and really really excited to have a song with Shatora lane on my new project <laughs> appreciate that man <laughs> yeah i'm dolio the sloop the other mc and slash vocalist uh represent pensacola florida but now residing in philadelphia yeah, what's up? Uh, this is Dan Joe. Play the banjo. Uh, sing some songs. Write some songs. Um, occasionally double on Wurlitzer. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I'm B. Farrow on the fiddle. Uh, whether it be in the bull or the sheep, uh, I'm coming out of Omaha, Nebraska, residing around the Baltimore area. Awesome. And I'm Wrench. Official title with the band is Mastermind. And uh, I'm I'm just here along for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a wild ride for you. Oh, we, we all carry stuff. Yes, we all carry things. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, we're excited to have you guys sitting here. And um, I know we did a little bit of history and some kind of research and how you guys came together. And I know there's been a lot. You guys originally the band formed in 2006 and there's been waves of that and evolution of that but for people that are just listening to this that have no idea who you are like what you're like where you're from how this came about blending two genres that are you know kind of people would look at it and not understand how you're going to blend bluegrass and hip-hop together and make something um kind of giving us a little bit of the backstory of how that happened and uh, how you all guys came together he did it. Yeah. He, he did it. I was walking down the street one day and I tripped. I fell into Dolio <laughs> and uh, I was listening to some honky tonk music. He was listening to some hip hop and uh, they were going on at the same time as we were trying to pick ourselves up from falling we were like hey that, that sounds pretty good and Julio was standing next to our son at the time so he stumbled and sort of fell against him <laughs> our son fell across the street and landed on his sleeves who who was sort of walking with pharaoh and then but the true story is they actually found me on craigslist so i wasn't yeah. a part of any of that <laughs> that's what i that's what i read and i wanted to know if the rumors were true but it sounds like they are craigslist huh? they're they're rumors <laughs> yeah. No, it's true, man. I was uh, Craigslist makes misconnections. Yeah, just yeah. if you ever posting, if you ever want to get somebody for your bluegrass hip hop band, you make the posting just as vague and and devoid of detail as possible. This literally said looking for a banjo player. <laughs> so I see that and I'm like, all right, yeah. I I have answered several of these today. So I will. Yeah, all of it, man. There's so many banjo ads on Craigslist all the time. Well, he answered yeah, the right kids, one. Pick up the banjo. <laughs> no, but I did. I really, I really answered the right one. I came in and instantly I figured out like what was going on, what was what it was about, and I really felt like you know there was an opportunity for me to 
to slot in and be a part of this and do some crazy stuff. I think banjo really fits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, uh, that's the moniker. Before, before we get a little more into detail, I want to know it, you know, you said you, you stumbled on, uh, uh, you know, you guys were both listening to the same or bluegrass and hip hop. Was there any doubts of bringing the two genres together? Like somebody, somebody's going to be hate this, you know, or, you know, it's always made sense to me and yeah. not just bluegrass, but the honky tonk, other kinds of stuff where, um, I grew up with, with both kinds of music and I always just, I want to have the twangy stuff in there and I want to have the block rock and beats. And it always seemed to me obvious how they could go together. No, it's an amazing thing. And uh, I have a, I have a, qu- I'm going to save it because it's kind of for a later part, but I feel like bringing, branching those two separate pieces of music and bringing people to, you know, kind of making them see how they work together can do a lot more for the world also outside of just music. So I, I love what you guys are doing. I think it's awesome. Um, get it. She gets it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense to me. I don't know. <laughs> but I know. Uh, yeah, I was your your guys recent album i wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about that recording process because we both did some research and we saw like parts of it in the beginning were recorded together but then as covid came and lockdowns came you guys had to finish recording that all separately and i know just from making music and that can be kind of a a hard process to creatively get something to sound the same when you're just you're all in separate places and and kind of sending tracks to each other so i kind of wanted to hear a little bit about that and like how that was different from some of the other projects that you guys have done so, can I call it Ironmonger? Yeah. In a cave with a box of screws. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> and, you know, the funny part is all four of these guys had like studios in their houses, right? You know, these guys are, these are trained musicians in here, right? I'm a rap dude. You know what I mean? I had a mic. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. when everything shut down, we had recorded three songs in Philly. And then when everything shut down, we were like, well, we still want to do this. You know, we're going to make this happen. So like stuff started coming to me in the mail. And I'm like, what the hell is this thing? And I, but, you know, seriously, I had no idea how to work my, uh, my dog. Like Dan walked me through the whole progress, the whole process to get it set up. And we recorded the whole thing. Um, the whole rest of the album, man. And it, it, it's a testament to how important the album was and how much it needed to happen because we got the whole thing done and the, it, sounds fantastic like we got all of everybody's sounds and sent them all to wrench and wrench you know this dude laced the whole thing man and really layered the whole thing and made it sound fantastic that's why i call him the mastermind huh exactly (laughs) exactly that's exactly it produced by you know and that's exactly what you know it speaks to not only how important it was to get it done but how talented these guys are at making all that, making the whole thing happen and really, really putting a foot in it, man. It's, it's, it's something we're, we're really proud of. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it says like, it says, it also says a lot about how good of a producer Rich is. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, Plus, you know, we, we, a lot of this stuff, most of the album was written prior to pandemic. And we, so by, by the time lockdown happened, we had already, you know, rehearsed these songs and played them a bunch of different ways and played them a bunch of times. 
So we were just getting ready to get it all into the studio. So that's why we had, that's how we ended up having a few of the first few tracks that were recorded done in the studio, everything mm -hmm. else, um, we were just like, okay, uh, what do we do now? Uh, well, we're going to do these songs that we already been practicing. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, because they're really ready. <laughs> to how ready we were yeah. to do it, but not all of the songs. Like you said, most of yeah, them. Yeah, most of them. A few, a couple of them. One of them was, was a couple of them like that have guest appearances were stuff that was, was kind of like in the formation. It was like, you know, the gaseous mass before the big boom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, <Hey now>. Yeah. <laughs> but, but and and one song actually came out of lockdown because of the live stream that we have been doing. You know, Which one was that? Do better. Yeah. So Farrah can talk about that. Cause... Yeah, I was just messing around with the baseline, the Shalimar baseline. And um I was doing a live stream and just happened to to flip the rhythm from from that bass line and maybe <clears throat> a different bass line. If, if you listen to the Shalimar tune, I'm trying to remember the tune. I think it was a, oh man, there's just so many good Shalimar tunes. <laughs> don't give it away. It was the one called Don't Sue Us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, we were flipping it, putting it in a different key and the French took it and ran with it. And then the whole band ran with it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was cool. He, so it was sort of a kick the can process. He sends it over to me. And I record some some banjo parts on it and send it around. The MCs, we get a beat on it. We get some verses, and we did that all from just from our own homes. That's amazing. We got real cool and added a buddy of ours from out in Portland, our man Randall White, uh, put the third verse on there um, yeah, because we were, we were like, all right, well, let's let's see what else we can do. And uh, again, it, it really does speak to not just how talented. Um, the squad is with the cast that we roll with, the cast we work with. Um, the track Go You 100, uh, our, our good friend Demeanor from North Carolina. Um, yo, this kid is, you know, 22 years old and nice a, and a, 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 a very nice piece of the, 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 the foundation, man. This kid is so dope. Yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely going to be the next generation of this whole wave because you know, yeah. he's, he's, he's an yeah. MC. He's, he's a banjo, banjo player. player. He's a fiddler. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's awesome. something else, man. Yeah. Sounds like you guys just find talent everywhere you go. You know who we roll. Yeah, you, <laughs> <laughs> you guys, yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I uh I was I, I was when I was reading that, I think it's a testament too to just like how passionate you were about the music because a lot of people a lot of musicians I know, they're just kind of like, we're going to pause for right now because it's just too hard. You know what I mean? Like, it's just too hard and it's kind of stressful for me to try to put this together like this. So the fact that you guys didn't let that separation and isolation deter you from, you know, from pushing your album back another year to two years, I think that's a testament to you guys and your belief in like what you wanted to say. It was 50% the technical ability of Wrench and the fact that we we had all the production process in-house and then and then 50 percent just just a massive amount of inertia i mean coming off of 2019 we had been playing together we were so hot we were so tight and i mean i can't i can't describe for you the 2020 that we had booked we had scheduled so we had this immense amount of energy going into this just epic touring schedule that all of a sudden was we were packing it was for it real was, we were we literally heat. packing we had heat and, and then all of a sudden there's nowhere to go. And it was just like, 
you know, you're right that like not a lot. I think there was a lot of musicians that that you know absolutely made you know made a good decision to just just take a break and and recover from just the just the tragedy of everything. Mm-hmm. And the only thing really, I think that really kept us able to do it was just that we we had been doing it so much that we were we were locked in enough to do it with like one hand tied behind our back and still have it come out okay yeah we were yeah. We that and we we jumped immediately into the whole you know zooming and yeah and all of that stuff because streaming. streaming and mostly because we were we some of us were starting to already dab- dabble into it because we mm-hmm. had to work mm-hmm. um and we just kind of made that pivot because you know if we didn't we'd all go insane <laughs> Yeah, I can relate to that for sure. Well, yeah, I'm not even gonna lie. I had, I had bills to pay. I was like, hold on, we 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 not gonna do what now? I mean, I was, yeah, I was, I'll make a dollar out of fifteen. Any, any, <laughs> any, any. I, was, I was gonna get the paper regardless. But as far as like us continuing our creative process was the thing was one of one of the things that helped us to cope with the lockdown, mm-hmm. and also just because our fans, well, I don't like to say fans, our supporters mm-hmm. of, of our movement, um, a lot of what we do uh, um, hinges upon our interaction with them and our ability to communicate with them. And if we would have just dropped all of that, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. then we lose that connection with them. So we had to keep the creative juices yeah. flowing. Mm-hmm. We, of- we, made, we made two whole new projects in between that too. In, in the, yeah. well. Well, out oh, three whole projects. Mm-hmm. We made three whole projects in addition to that album that we dropped. Wow. Because of that, we just kept going because we were like, okay, if we let it sit and stagnate, then it gets old and stale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This allowed us to expand what we do. And this album is a lot more evolved than the last one. I mean, which was a lot more evolved than the one before. And the one, it's, it pushes the gangster grass thing to be a whole new animal. No, oh, yeah. One thing that me and Shator were talking about before we jumped on here. Um, is the title of the new album and how fitting it was for the times and no time for enemies was that came up with during COVID before you guys started the album after it happened during the lockdown that mm-hmm. was utter rambling yeah, yeah. we Brother were doing Ray. our live stream and I was just I was sitting in my car yeah. just running my mouth um, and just you know it, it was it was like mid-March right it was right after stuff started really getting crazy and I was like, look, man, it's about to get nuts out here. It's about to get real, real goofy out here. And I don't have time for, you know, for any, 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 any of the bull. You know, there's no time for enemies right now. We need to just kind of keep it moving. So I heard that, right? I was watching the stream. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Say that again. I think you just said the album title. And so, yeah. you know, the whole thing was so much of this was born out of just the very randomness of the situation. And, you know, I'm usually running my mouth anyway. Something interesting is going to come out and no time for enemies. Where were you were in like a, a shopping, uh, a grocery store, like a parking lot with like some shopping cart stuff. Yo, some petty you, stuff. It yo, was so petty, right? start fighting over this over shopping cart. Uh-huh. Like they were, had just started like really wiping everything down and somebody was trying to get one and somebody else. And it was like, yo, my cart. You know, calm down. Seriously, <laughs> my cart, man. it's not that serious. They, it, it, yo, it was, 
it, it looked like the whole thing was just going to wind up with this Trader Joe's getting set on fire. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, Joe, I'm out. Y'all, yes, y'all handle that. I got, I got other stuff to do. There's more important things for us to handle right now. Y'all fighting over shopping carts. Right. We got the exclusive on how the new album came about. The title it started over shopping carts. There you go. Shopping carts and Trader Joe's fires. Live right. stream. <laughs> I think. Went off market. No, this was I was down in North Carolina. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was telling him I thought it was it was super fitting, even because I mean I know how I felt at that point in time and like what I was seeing in the world, and I was like, man, if it keeps going so far divided it's only gonna get it's gonna get worse and worse you know what i mean like we definitely people gotta let some things go and, it was, you know it was an election it was an election year yeah it was political unrest yeah this was, getting burnt to the ground this was even before george floyd well the thing yeah, before it george there was a mob yeah before yeah, it was a mob before that mm-hmm. right? and then, so like just like the thing so is, it was, was, a, it, was it was starting it right. was really mm-hmm. starting yeah, and when, then, yeah when, when 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 big floyd got murdered it mm-hmm. was like um it was like it was like when you drop water into a barrel and you get that little membrane at the top where you can see the water starting to rise above and it's above the lid and it's, that's just not spilling over. Mm-hmm. It was like Big Floyd getting murdered was like the big, was the one drop to make the rest of it spill over. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Because it was, there was, because there's, it, you know, before it was, before it was, before it was Floyd, it was, it was uh, Ahmaud Arbery. Before that, it was Sandra Bland. Before it was Mike Brown. Before that was, Trayvon. Yeah, Trayvon. Before that was uh, Eric Garner. And Eric Garner. Yellow, yeah. You know, I mean, it's like it, you know, it's thousands of names at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Out of spaces for hashtags. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing that we did, we were able to do, like you said, most of the material was written already. But what we were able to do for Juneteenth, we had a an, uh, a track, a single release queued up, and it was going to be something else. And then we saw all the protests, you know, starting off. And we just, we saw that and we figured, you know what, this might actually be a better time. We have this track Freedom and it's already queued up. Like it's already uh, ready. It's ready to be released. But can we just, Mm -hmm. can we just put that out instead? And that that ended up being a really nice way to kind of respond to the times Mm -hmm. and hopefully give people something that would, that would be, you know, meaningful and helpful to them. Definitely. Yeah, because that was one of the, and that was consequently one of the, one of those, those three tracks that we recorded before lockdown happened. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like, yeah, because folks thought that we put together a song to put out for Juneteenth. It was like, nah, we, we, we already, <laughs> we already like, made. That was already, already in the game. It was like, it was yeah. like, nah, we weren't writing this stuff topically about 2020. It just so happens just that, have, that it, happened. these are all problems that have been happening since the beginning of this mm-hmm. country. Yeah, it for sure. Happens and now people are actually talking about. It. Yeah. Shout out to my man Shanti for helping us put the video together. For sure. Yeah, he we like the video took two weeks. Yeah. We were like, hey, yeah, we need to shoot this video, and boom, 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 boom. We you know chopped it all together and you know and, and made made something happen with it. And, yeah. and I wanted to just mention quickly the um the you know part of the great thing about that track was was how it came together and there's a there's a fiddle tune. Uh, up top at the beginning of it uh, that uh, that Pharaoh actually brought in. Look at them putting me in the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's a there's a fiddle tune by um, uh, not by but there's a fiddle tune that uh, Solomon Northrup really enjoyed. And Solomon Northrup, don't know the name, he um, he wrote a book called Twelve Years a Slave, um, and I happened to be reading it. I think I was on another reread of it. And, uh, came across the tune and 
I had learned it and just been under my fingers for a while. And I, mm -hmm. I was playing it and uh, uh, Dolio and our son were hearing me playing and they were just vibing on it. And they just, you know, just out of sheer black joy, just coming. Came, came up, up with the hook, the yeah. Hook yeah. It, was, it was literally like within, within like a minute or so of him yeah. playing. I was like, yo, this is kind of banging. And I was, I was like, yo, you know what? We should turn this into like, a new, uh, like a new millennium Negro spiritual. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Too. And I was like, but it's not going to be any of that hope for justice someday. It's like, no, we're going to take it right now. You know what? Yeah. I'll, I'll you guys <laughs> I haven't really shared before. I used to play that song on the streets all the time because I go out and bus. But that is not the first time, like several times, MCs have come up to me like, oh, yeah, let me spit yeah. over that. And literally would just spit bars over me playing that fiddle. That's, a hard See, that's, man. that's because you were, channel, you were channeling the ancestors, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I feel like when songs like that come together so effortlessly, like it just kind of it falls out of you. It's not like you're sitting there trying to think of what to say or how, how it's going to react to somebody. That's Those are those pieces of music that are like that that was meant from something way deeper than even just you. So I yeah, think that's awesome. It was spirits definitely moving the pin on that one because yeah. both of us had verses within like the first 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, yep. Right. Up. <laughs> you can't even keep up. You're just like, okay, okay, let me just like, get this out before I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I was going to say, I know I'm not the only one that still writes on notepads. <laughs> y'all, y'all write, y'all pen on notepads? With five notebooks in it, man. My man. Yeah. Every time I get a new book, I'm like, all right, well, let me start some over here. Yeah. <laughs> I actually just, just started writing on paper again of, you know, for the last mixtape. Yeah, because you got to. Yeah, we Plus, to. I got a whole bunch of pens, so I may as well use them. Might as well use them. <laughs> yeah. But I got, you know, chapters on this thing. Uh huh. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I know we want to get to the. Do you have anything else about the new album before we pivot to the. To oh, I got thing? a couple things. Yeah. I want to. First, I want to say that myself and I know all your supporters really. Um, resonate with you guys being you know the positivity the unity and i think that alone pushes you guys to a whole nother level because nobody's let alone bringing blue grass and hip-hop together you guys are bringing you know communities together with what you're doing so i wanted to shout you guys out for doing that as well um with the new album how does it feel to go number one on the bluegrass charts yeah we We've been pushing, trying to get that number one spot for ever. Like, yeah, America was it? Um, American, American Music. God, was that it, was I got that. It was, it was in the top ten. Yeah, it was up. At, it was up at five. And then, um, pocket full of fire, fire peaked at number two. Yeah. Oh, we got very close. And then we were just like, ah. And then we got this one yeah. during a a pandemic. Yeah, and everything was locked down, no touring and, and stuff. And as you know, bluegrass is by far the most popular genre of music in the country. So there's nowhere else. <laughs> to go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Real quick, we got to thank our, our incredible team. Uh, yeah, Yo, back there. a lot yeah. of that has to do with our, yeah, our manager. Really yeah, through for us. If you're if you're if your manager sleeves. sells your merch sleeves. and then logs the sales, mm. it turns out that's actually very important way of getting on the chart is to right. actually write down the sales smart right. keeping track of the sales 
uh, knowing which stores to get your stuff into. Mm -hmm. That's really important. Pinpointing where the audience is and all of that stuff, especially in, like just from yeah. being a tour, just from touring, we were able to, you know, know where the audience was. Mm -hmm. Being able to make those connections directly with our fan base was able to, they were able to, I guess, front load as far as getting the sales before the album actually dropped. Because they, they were ready, they were ready. They were like, you know, they've been locked in the house for a year. They're like, okay, give us something. And yeah, like we got it, we got it. Well, I got something for you. you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. We, we had them anxiously waiting. So like by the time they was ready to drop, they were ready to grab it. Yeah. And I mean, just a side note, like it it means a lot to me for real as a as a bluegrass musician. Like everybody's bringing in different influences and coming from different places. You know, old time and honky tonk and everything. And but like. I, you know, to me, it's, it's just one more way. It's one more, it's only one way, you know, we, we like to refute the, the purists and the sort of the traditionalists and, you know, people that might look at what we do and think, ah, I don't know, you know, it's a novelty or like, it's a, it's a gimmick. I mean, you know, they just putting this stuff together, you know, cause it might be, it might be cool, but like, it's not actually good. It turns out it's actually good. And it turns <laughs> out bluegrass people, like it hip-hop people like it mm -hmm. people will come up to us and say you know i don't really like bluegrass actually i don't really like hip-hop either but i like what you guys are doing <laughs> yeah yeah and and to me you know that both says look the genre thing doesn't really matter and it was created by you know marketing uh mm -hmm. record label people a hundred years ago as a way to segregate people into demographics anyway so the genre thing doesn't matter but as long as i'm a bluegrass musician you know, I just want to say, this is legit stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, this is real stuff. And that's just one way to tell people, I, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what's more bluegrass than that. We got to the top of the freaking charts. Right? 100%. Before we jump to the next topic, anybody that's out there listening, go check out Gangsta Grass's new album, No Time for Enemies. Yeah. Number one. 100%. I know that had to be a big moment for you guys. Like, yeah. That yeah. was wild. You man. couldn't tell me nothing after that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. My, my son was, I don't remember how many weeks old he was, but that was, it was like, yeah, the getting number one on the charts was like very much the second coolest thing that was happening. <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh man, it was, it was like oh, my other baby's got number one. <laughs> no, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it, was, it was hard to tell him anything at that point because it was well, like, it's you know, you know, as a as an independent artist, there's always that 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 crowd of people around it, like. Yo, uh, are you still doing that little music thing? hundred percent, yeah. Because you know how the culture, yeah. and it, when you say "little" right in front of something, there's always that little bit of disrespect. Yeah, uh -huh. so it's like yeah, and it's like okay, yeah, I'm still doing my little music thing. Check this out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know my favorite. You know my favorite. Let me let me tell me if you heard this. Somebody asks you, "Oh, is that a real song or is that one that you wrote?" Yeah. Oh, I've that's heard. disrespect. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm not. Right. I'm sorry. At this point, there's no difference. Yeah, no, for sure. I've gotten that. And maybe not exactly those words, but it's like uh -huh. you throw up a little remix of something and they're like, they're trying to kind of throw shade. Like, okay, all you did was throw a verse on They're just mad. Like, 
I'm just getting reps, you know, I'm trying to get some reps, reps in the gym, but it's got to push your pen. So I do know that feeling for sure. Well, I know we wanted to ask you guys about the other pretty big thing that happened with you guys being on America's Got Talent. Like that, that had to be an amazing feeling. And uh, I, I got to watch some of the performances off of that. And that's kind of where I heard you wrench talking about the meaning behind gangster grass and bringing people together and, and it being more than just music. And I really, I believe in that. And I think that's amazing, but I wanted to know about that, how that whole thing came about, like how you guys got that opportunity. What did it feel like to be on that stage together, knowing everything you guys have been through, how many albums you've made and, and to kind of have that type of uh, appreciation on that big of a scale well at first we didn't even think it was real <laughs> no for real we thought it was like somebody trying to spam us on social media because they you know you keep getting hit up with those you know if you rap you keep getting those messages yeah. from people mm-hmm. like, oh yeah. yeah give me 500 dollars i'll put you on a mixtape yeah, yeah. Hey, so yeah. we thought it was one of that we thought it was well, that and we was just like yeah okay you ain't know it y'all edit, got these, talent. Right? Y'all y'all edit these right what yeah we can edit them what during the pandemic red man hit us up <laughs> oh god really are you kidding me or his marketing <laughs> oh, oh lord <laughs> it was probably one of those scammers man yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> give us a couple hundred bucks and- yeah <laughs> that was not red man i guarantee you he's like i bet what was, it what was your thought on this whole this having done this for so long and then yeah and i you know it wasn't something that i generally would have been like you're interested in because i'm yeah, we've we got plenty to do. We're touring, we're releasing albums, we're building our fan base. Yeah, normally. Um, you know, and, you know, a show that has, like, magicians and dog tricks and stuff on it was, <laughs> wasn't really like, oh, that's where we got to be. But yeah. since we had had our entire tour canceled and had no other way to, like, perform for people, um, it was a chance to it was a chance to go out and, and uh, be performing and get in front of some people and, and do our thing. So, you know, we weren't busy. Yeah, so why not? <laughs> yeah, actually being on stage at America's Got Talent for the audition was the first time that we had been in, on stage together in like almost a year. That's right. And wow. just, wow. like with, just like with recording the album, it was like, you know, we haven't done a show in a year, but we got right into it. It's OK. Like mm-hmm. we got. Yeah, we nailed it. Mm-hmm. Right. No, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. We nailed it. Yeah. We yeah, yeah. there's a lot of preparation and thinking, okay, oh, it's going to be this big, like, audition thing. You're going to be nervous. But then once we got onto a stage, it was like, oh, yeah, yeah. stage. We know how to do yeah. this. Right. Yeah, some, gotta... of these people, some of these people, like, it's the first time on a stage. Like, they have a talent, but they've never performed it before. And I was just like, oh, was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone's all nervous. Da, da, da. We were, like, goofing off on stage, just <laughs> cracking up. Oh, like, okay, okay, yeah. stop laughing. You were about to tell me. <laughs> The the cool thing, though, that you mentioned, Shatora, like the stuff that we were talking about, about like what, you know, our mission is and what we believe in and everything. That was honestly, that was the tipping point that said to us that we, it's okay for us to do this because the one thing we didn't want was to be misrepresented or Mm -hmm. put on, like I said, like some kind of novelty or whatever. And they, the producers really talked to us and they heard us out and they understood what we were really about. And so when we were able to talk about that, you know, on the show, that was, that was something where we felt like, all right, as long as we actually get to be honest and be ourselves and be true to what we are. Okay. This is, this is going to be good. 
No, that's, I can imagine that would be huge for you guys. And that, like I said, that piece in itself, like stuck out to me. And I feel like people that don't know your music that hear that first and then hear like what you guys are actually saying and you know what I mean? How it all comes together. It makes everything make sense. So. Can I really quick talk about the intro that they gave us where they were like, there's like an American flag, you know, for cold, cold open from the commercial break. It's like, America is a land of opportunity. <laughs> and they come together and they become superheroes and they fly through the air. And now it's just- <laughs> yeah, it was wild. <laughs> but the crazy thing about it is that it, did, it didn't really, it doesn't, although it's, it's, portrayed and pushed as a competition mm-hmm. to feel like that Mm-mm. it Mm-mm. feels more like um we go to a lot of m- music conferences and conventions and things yeah. for the organizations that we belong to and it feels more like that actually it felt like a like a like a conference where everybody just has a little showcase where they show off what they do. Yeah, it really did. You know? It really did. Feel um, like that. You know, and with workshops and stuff like that, because we, you know, this was, we've been on the road for years and we've been doing, we've done thousands of shows, but we never had like enterprise level guidance to this type of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. right before, you know, the, um, No Time for Enemies was our first al- album on an official like label, you know, um, but with the, with NBC behind all this stuff, you got, we got a chance to see how an enterprise level operation works. You know, you got like two city blocks worth of production crew. Oh my God. You Shout know? out to the crew. The crew. Really quickly because they, they were, were great, man. The and they were safe. This was back. This was, we went out there in March, April of 2021. Like we had just barely gotten one or two shots of the vaccine in us at that time because we were just available. And so we were still very much at risk. We were very much taking it seriously. And the crew, just, just, just one of the safest operations you could imagine being on in terms of COVID safety, general safety, professionalism, Real shout out to them because yeah. that was, you know, yeah. we were concerned they, about they, that. they did the damn thing. Yeah, they were yeah. super and, tight ship. Yeah, we shout out to the fact that we had a we had a whole stretch like a mile of road shut down oh, by yeah. the California Highway Patrol. <laughs> yeah, so so that that was a Yeah, so that little vignette that they showed of us in the van and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, in order for them to shoot that stuff, they have to shut down a whole lot of road. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> we're driving and they're driving next to us shooting us. So they shut down the whole, the whole I never, thing. <laughs> you don't think about that. I never things. thought about that, but that makes yeah. sense. You can't just and, be like. We were on a highway in the desert and for like a mile that way, you can see the cops blocking off the road and a mile back that way, there was the cops bro- blocking yeah, off the road. Bonkers. It's just us, you know, so cops bad. on either end, a film crew, desert heat and tumble. <laughs> Yo, it it really did feel like some rock star stuff, man. Because we was like, yo, yeah, Rand and I looked at each other. We was like, the police is stopping the street for us. Yeah, right. Yeah, we're not cornered. We hit another level. We got an escort. I remember during COVID, my girl actually showed me y'all's audition on America's Got Talent. And I was like, oh, man, that's cool. Shator knows them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, it was, I mean, it was, that has to be huge for all of you guys. Cause like I told as many people as I can about your guys stuff, but like to be on that stage and, and get to, to cast your net out to that many people at once, it had to be a cool feeling. Yeah. 
Especially because that's our main hurdle. Because what we do is so different that you can't categorize it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to put it in a box. It's just hard to put it in a box. They don't know. It's like you go to the store. They don't know what shelf to put the food in. You know? Yeah. They're like, uh, do I put? Is it a vegetable? Is it a fruit? I don't know. And when you asked like whether we had any misgivings initially about like, do you think this is gonna work or not? Like we didn't. You know, we're the ones doing it. You know, of course we're on board with it. But um, I mean, Pharaoh had some misgivings initially. I think. Oh, I mean, it's, it's big TV. I don't need to speak all of those misgivings. <laughs> <laughs> How are they going to portray us? How is this going to go? The whole concept of even doing gangster grass in the first place, oh, doing like bluegrass hip hop together. Because, like, you know, and that's the thing that's distinguishing. Well, he was skeptical up until the point he heard it. Because that's the thing. As soon as you hear it or see it, yeah. Okay, you're like, oh, yeah, this, but, this is the thing. But a lot of people, fans and potential collaborators, a lot of people will hear it and th- or, or hear of the idea and think, oh, you know, they'll imagine like something not very good mm-hmm. and just like, oh, that's probably going to be terrible. And of course you could do this in a bad way, uh, but that's not what we do. No, yeah, you guys are awesome. It's like when you describe a turducken to somebody. <laughs> it's, not like it's not like that. <laughs> Look, okay, so he hasn't. He hasn't tasted turducken so, yet. Yeah, so he I'm, doesn't I'm like that person who's like, oh, gangster. Yeah, so <laughs> right. He's like, a duck and a turkey and a hen. No, that's never one thing. And then never you take that first bite and yeah. it's just like, okay, yeah, this is the only thing I want to eat. No, so we met up with Pharaoh, right? We met up with <laughs> and at that time, he was playing with Dom Flemons. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we were playing at the Kingman Island Bluegrass Fest in DC. So we actually mm-hmm. shared a stage together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so set the stage. Uh, so. Kingman Island is a uh, fun festival. In fact, that festival is the reason why I'm a touring musician today. Because uh, not once, but twice have they randomly asked me while I was having fun at their festival, both drunk and stoned, <laughs> hop up on stage with a headliner that did not bring their basis. <laughs> so, you know, that happened, that happened twice uh, at that festival. And it also happened that I played with Dom at that festival and met these guys. And uh, oh, this is huge. honestly, first time I, I went to Kingman Island, toured with the Hack and Sound Boys. Second time, I did a circus for a month with the Spirit Family Reunion. Yeah. Third time, I joined Gangster Grass. Do you guys know Kingman Island? It's, it's a great festival. It's really, it's on like an ecological preserve. Oh, this- uh, not right the there. Cayman Islands. King, 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 yeah. Kingman right Islands. It's right by like RFK Stadium. It's right across yeah. from there. And it it's, all, it's, it's great. Yeah, it opens up once a year for this festival. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so so we met up with them. You know, we're on stage and like Dom Flemings, you know, and, and Pharaoh's playing with Dom. And uh, and that was that was really sort of the, the, the point. That's where we sold you on the like, okay, well, you know, it turns out these guys have bars. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. They were bars. They, they. I mean, it was really the lyricism that attracted me to the band. And Emily, our, our manager, I've known her for uh, 10, 10, 10, 10 plus, yeah, maybe 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 30 and, years? Uh, she, was, she, she convinced me on some music before. So I was like, all right, all right, let's see what happens. I'm down. So, yeah. 
She's a very persuasive person. It's good, man. Mm-hmm. And it's important to have that kind of person. It's important to have the like the advocate, you know, the evangelist. To be mm-hmm. like, okay, Instagram, you want to check that out? Yes, 100%. 100%. I try to be that person around here. It's funny. Well, that's coming around to touring, but uh, it's funny how many people like now that you guys are coming here to Brightbox, it's like all of a sudden everybody's like, Oh my gosh, you know, you know, who gangster grass is. And I was like, I've known, I've been listening to their music for a minute. And then, but they're just now figuring it out and coming to it now. Um, so I'm excited for, for you guys to come through Winchester, but, um, before we go on, I want to know, I want to hear the story of when you guys met Shatora. Was it at Sweet Nola's? Probably. Yep. Yeah, it was. Um, it was actually through Captain Kirk. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. First, I was getting the tattoo. Yeah. And Kirk was like, yo, you got to have my knee spit. And right. I was like, all right, cool. He put it, he put it on. He put it on. I was, was like, he was like, all right. You oh. got to meet, huh? <laughs> you know, what's yo, funny is that's, that's so true because I remember him texting me with such a sense of urgency. Like, you need to come. I don't know where you are, but you need to come to the shop right now. And I was like, okay, like, what's what's wrong? What's going on? And uh, I don't know if it was, like, at the shop or at the venue afterwards. I remember meeting up with you guys, and you guys were amazing. They were amazing to me. They, you know, kind of let me vibe out and freestyle over top of some stuff and um, just kind of talking all of us on the same uh-huh. on the same wavelength. <laughs> so it was always love from the very beginning, and I appreciate you guys for that, for sure. And continue. They've continued to stay in touch with me every time I put something out. They show love and, you know, um, reached out to me about collaborating on stuff. So it means the world to me for sure. I appreciate that. No question, man. We are, uh, you know, one of the things that we've been doing and like we were talking about before with the cast of week that we collaborate with is like, if you're dope at what you do, I'm, you know, we try to be down with it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So that is like our only criteria. Yeah, all you have to be is dope. That's all yeah, dope. The dopest klezmer player in the world. You can be the dopest. Listen, we got homies back in, in Philly, our friends, uh, Sad Paul and, and, and Sad Patrick in Bethlehem. Like, she's a she's a stomper. She yo, she plays the fits. She plays the, the fits. What's that? Nice with it, though. Nice. And you know, as long as you're you're doing quality stuff and you're about you know forwarding the culture, whatever that culture that is, mm-hmm. if we, if it works, it works. And, but, and obviously, we don't care about genre. Yeah. What you play? Yeah, gonna always show love if it's dope. I, I gotta say too, though, shout out to Winchester just in general. I feel like it would make sense that we would meet you there. It would make sense that that whole story would happen there. Like oh, I was over with Cat and Kurt getting a tattoo, and then he said you need to check out my niece. I'm like, that probably happened in Winchester. Yeah. It yeah. probably did because Winchester is that place. It, it is. It is in the top probably three of places where we've played so many times first of all yeah. just been there so many times but also it's not just the number of times i mean we've had you know depth of actual relationships we have friends you know my wife is is probably texting somebody from winchester right now um <laughs> because yeah, yeah yeah i know who it is and uh yeah not like that no like that's not what i'm, it's like, I'm, what I'm set you up <laughs> we know what you mean Cool. Cool. No, uh, 
I definitely, uh, we, we definitely show them. It's okay. It's okay. I'm trying to bring you back. I'm throwing you a line here. <laughs> I'm throwing you a line. <laughs> no, but, uh, no, there's, there's a huge music community here. People don't realize that because it's a small, it's just a small town, but there's a lot of really passionate, talented musicians. So when, you know, other passionate, talented musicians come through, it seems like a lot of people are willing to show love. Um, I wanted to ask, go ahead, my bad. We're so excited to be back and be on stage with you again. It's gonna be awesome. Whenever you, she got a band now. Whenever you guys want. Yeah, I just, I we, me and my no, friends started a band, so I'm excited for you guys to hear that this weekend and tell me what you think and you know i'm always down to come on stage and, and vibe out with you guys you don't gotta ask me twice <laughs> we can make it happen for sure there's the gospel about you but i haven't seen you with the fan yet so you're coming up on stage yeah i got you i got you i promise that <laughs> sounds like we got some surprises in store for this this show coming maybe up. i guess people got to come out and see they got to come out and figure that out <laughs> well, uh, before we, I don't want to hop off of here too quick. I wanted to um, ask you guys what it's been like touring, you yeah. know, after everything has opened back up. I wanted to know kind of what that feels like because I know in general, I just felt super isolated from people. So just being around people again was like for me refreshing because I'm social, but also getting to be in front of people and performing again after not having it for so long. Well, we, we kind of started last year we we had a few limited um appearances um shortly after the the um agt stuff um but in a more regulated safer type of environment taking all the uh the necessary precautions to ensure the safety of our families and like stuff. outdoor shows and so doing outdoor shows masks and, and if it was an indoor type of thing it was masks and backs and all that stuff um now right now we're just kind of navigating I guess the minefield of, of various regulations from 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 uh, state to state. Every day, a different uh, every day, a different state is relaxing stuff. Yeah, um, fortunately, a, a lot of the venues are still um, adhering to uh, the uh, the agreed upon protocols. Um, mostly because it, you know we, we're we're trying to take precaution, you know, with this because we. We we have we have connections to the knowledge to know that the relaxation is premature. Yeah, gotcha. Mm -hmm. We have people in our lives too that even if it were relatively safe for some people, you know, like like uh, the president was saying in the State of the Union, you know, for some people it might be okay, but you know, for us, for the people in our in our immediate families, and for many people in our audiences, you know, that's not something that people are ready to do. We're not ready to just go back to life as normal. So it's something that we've been requesting at a lot of our shows and, and with the mask mandates being repealed in a lot of places, it, it really ends up just being, you know, because, because we, we are asking for this. That's, yeah. that's the ends up being the only authority is please do this because we are asking for it. And people have been by and large, pretty cool about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's, is you know they they understand we're trying to keep our family safe. You know, mm -hmm. All of us have been affected by this um, in many ways, <laughs> many ways. You know, I, my family lost lost we lost people in my family to the order of double digits. Mm. You know? um, 
So I'm, I take it extremely personal when it when it comes to this, but also just uh, a lot of us have seniors in our lives and immunocompromised people in infants, our lives. In infants, our lives. unvaccinated you know, infants. You know, mm-hmm. with yeah. the, right, with with the exception of Pharaoh, we we all got young kids, you know, and yeah. we're just trying to make sure that we don't bring anything safe, uh, um, unsafe to them, and we also want to ensure the safety of our audience because because of the, the, the way that our music appeals to people of not just different cultures, but also different age groups, we have people who bring their babies. We have people who come with their grandparents. We have people that come with their grandchildren. You know what I mean? So we, you, you've been to the shows. You know, we yep. have fans in their 80s and 90s. Yep. And we also have fans who are like eight, eights and nines yeah. months. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, you can't say it's fun for the whole family if it's not going to be safe, safe for, the, for whole the whole family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely, 100%. We, we, we don't have any choice about it. We have to care about it because it's, that's who we are and that's in our lives. Right. Sure. There's also the selfish, uh, the, the selfish desire to make sure that there's not a variant named after us. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, you remember everybody went to that gay thread show and got the double G variant? <laughs> yeah. No, no, we want to be famous. For uh, for other reasons. Famous. <laughs> we don't want to be that kind of famous. Don't want to be yeah. famous. So, famous, yes. Infamous. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we're 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 doing a lot of things to adapt our 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 road protocol and how we tour and you know, we're coming to you live from this Airbnb, wherever the hell we are right now. You know, we're trying to do more of the, the Airbnb thing. And, and that's more of a nod to just general, you know, our own health on the road and just trying to be just trying to be chill and, and trying to, you know, make it through. Like touring is hard, you know, touring is hard. So we got the we got the Airbnbs with the kitchen. We maybe you know, hole up in the same spot for a couple of days and we've got. You know, since we are on this Iron Skillet podcast. Just- oh, snap. Ooh. Travis, you're missing it. show off the, the Dutch oven. They got it. What? <laughs> oven that, that has a lid. That and- turns into a skillet. Yeah. Travis is like, I got to see this. <laughs> Travis is running the audio back there. <laughs> oh, I don't know how many meals we've made. Turns into a skillet on the top. On this, yo, that's the dry crazy. goods actually the dry goods we carry in in the pot, you know. So you got your your quinoa and your flour and your yeah. spices. We you smoke. We we, we we always roll with a big thing to eat. There you go. We we we, we like we we got our own little kitchen kit. We we do a lot of cooking. We do all, a lot of fellowship and sitting around the fire and baking bread and grilling meats and yeah. All kinds of, you know, but it, it, it acts as a, um, having the pandemic, it does, it has definitely brought us closer together because when we did eventually start coming back out, um, we had, we, we had missed being in each other's company so much that, you know, us, it, it's, we didn't, you know, it didn't feel right for us to like be in like separate hotel rooms or whatever. You know, we had to have like a crib that we could just pretty much camp out in and just, do the family thing, you know? Yeah. Sure. That's awesome. And it's more sustainable. Oh yeah. We're happier, healthier, right. cheaper, better for the environment. Right. We're not, yeah. We're, we, we end up being healthy because we're not eating all this, you know, salty junk food from the road. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, because in, in the portion sizes are usually way too big when you're grabbing all that takeout stuff and then you have all these takeout containers and the plastics and the paper plates and disposables, this and all that stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, with this way, we're all just using real plates, yep. <laughs> real pots and pans, you know, whatever we, you know, whatever mess we make, we end up eating it. So it's not like any, you know, a bunch of stuff that we end up having to throw away and there's less waste. You know, yeah. It's probably better for most bands to to do that themselves and cook for themselves than to do that whole road food thing. Because mm-hmm. being on the road, um, you know, having a you know reckless eating once or twice, you know, is all right. But yeah. when you when you're doing like three and four week tours, mm-hmm. you know, it, it starts to take a toll on you. You know, yeah, all that salt, all that sugar, on top of not you know getting a lot of sleep. Yeah, not maybe not hydrating as much as you should. Right. This kind of thing. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Our, our, our manager got us personalized water bottles to make sure we stay hydrated. Yeah, reusable. There you also, go. So we're not, you know, having to dispose of a lot of plastic uh, water bottles from all the bottled water that mm-hmm. we end up consuming um, on stage because you know we work up a sweat. Definitely. <laughs> Man, not only are they positive and bringing unity to the community, these guys are going green, yeah. eating healthy, People recycling. need to take some notes. People need to take some notes. We got green right here, so. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you it's go. Like the, it's like the title of the album. I mean, No Time for Enemies just came out of like, we don't have time. We don't have time for enemies. We don't have time for waste. We don't have time for unhealthy living. Like, there isn't really a lot of choice. There it is. But, you know, this is really the only way mm-hmm. that we can continue to do this. No, a hundred percent. And I think it's dope to hear, uh, you know, a band you that's as successful as you guys talking about these little things. Cause I'm sure it's something that everyone like younger people, especially, but you know, people that are traveling around doing shows are probably not prioritizing that. So to, to hear it from some, you know, someone that's doing it to the level that you guys are doing it, it probably also, I know it allows you to go on stage and have way more energy than you would if you were just eating McDonald's and like, you know what I mean? Barely sleeping, barely and and i hope that more stories like that keep coming out you know not to not to speak for him but like you know just just shout out quick shout out to billy strings who doesn't need the shout out because he is having a moment right now but i i remember that guy from years ago years and years ago and just the fact that a a couple of years it might be might be five years ago now um he's talked openly about this but like he went sober a while ago and you just you just see this an explosive effect on his career i mean the dude is just working so hard and uh you know and all the all the success to him because it's a it's a really good moment for him but but uh yeah people should talk more about this like you make healthy decisions it's going to affect you it's going to affect your life it's going to affect your career for sure 100 percent. i love you brandon or let What's up? Yeah, we, don't, we don't know what kind of deals. We don't know what kind of deals they made with. with the... Right, there's a painting somewhere in a yeah. closet with a shawl over it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, it kind of makes the point. Like you can you can live however you want, but yeah. but if you make that choice, just just imagine what can happen. You know? No, for sure, hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, Brandon, before we hop off of here, you got anything else you want to touch on? No, I don't have any more questions. I just want to say, since I've been introduced to you guys' music, 
you know, I've been diving in and it's just, it's really refreshing, you know, cause I'm listening to a lot of hip hop. I'm listening to rock at work. So it's, it's really refreshing hearing something new, which is really hard to find nowadays. So shout out to you guys. So everybody needs to come out this Saturday, March 12th to the bright box because Gangster Grass is going to be in the building. They're going to tear it down. If you've never seen a live show, if you've never seen these people live and in person, and you've never heard of this type of music, it's something to come out and experience for sure. So definitely come out. Um, Bullwhip's going to get on stage. He's going to spit some bars. My band Polaroid Dreams is going to get up there. We're going to spit some bars. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to do a little bit of everything. So um, I can't wait. It's going to be a fun night. I can't wait to see you guys. So we got to make sure everybody comes out and packs this place up. Big whoop. <laughs> see you on the 12th. See you, yeah. see you guys on Saturday. <laughs>